The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox and Mitch Fox are here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. You can find out more at donfox.net. You can call them at IG Private Wealth Management at 905-972-7420. Good morning, gentlemen. Good to see you all. Yeah, good to see you, Scott. Good morning, Scott. An election this past uh, week, but as you've said many times, elections very really ha- uh, very rarely have any real effect on the markets or finance in any situation. Yeah, particularly Canadian politics to a large portion. Um, you know, and then you're looking at the provincial level. So yeah, it, you know, it's always nice to uh, kind of see you know, where they're going to be more fiscally responsible, kind of like. Uh, the rest of the Canadian population needs to start doing themselves yeah. because uh, again, the, the debt levels are quite, are, are getting fairly high again. Uh, the pandemic uh, lowered it actually, but now people are out there spending money again. And then on top of that, I know Mitch is talking about new parents and you know, that uh, perhaps that's been another theme of the COVID experience is there are some new parents out there right now. And uh, you know, that's just one more thing to plan. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I know a bunch of people at our golf course, friends of ours, and I think at least six of them are expecting all around the same time this upcoming fall, uh, one even with twins. So there, there's lots of things to, that come into play when it comes to parenthood and among the many great memories you'll make, like watching the Rangers in this nice playoff run that I've been enjoying with my father. <laughs> uh, or birthdays for that matter. Uh, I know mine's coming up at the end of this month, which is an exciting time. <laughs> but uh, adding a new family member can be very expensive. There's lots of costs to raising a child and to educate them as well. Adding up everything from daycare to diapers, hockey equipment, or even the added cost of a vacation for, for three or four instead of just the two of a couple it's a huge factor into a financial plan and that extra mouth of feed can certainly be stressful. There are always unforeseen events as well. Uh, I know I, I have a dog, not quite a child, but they certainly do have unforeseen expenses as well. Whether it's uh, going to the vet and having unexpected injuries or sicknesses they, and uh, ha- adding up childcare for that matter. Um, just because if you get sick, you might have to have someone come in and watch your child. Or if the kid's sick, you might have to stay home and, and miss work. So there's always going to be things that are coming up and uh, you just have to have your plan in place to make sure that you have everything aligned. So if these do come up, you're prepared. And I have five steps here to make sure your growing family is financially prepared. And the, the first one here is to rethink your financial plan. If you don't currently have a plan, it's even more important to create one. Starting a baby-focused plan and take a fresh look at your spending priorities. Uh, discuss income with your partner and understand the impacts of taking paid or unpaid parental leave. Also potentially the possibility of a single income living. Maybe you both don't continue to work the entire time and one stays home and watches the child. That's something that should be factored into your plan. Having a financial planner can really help with this. Uh, We go through income and expenses with all of our clients. Cash flow is a large part of any financial plan and they're altered consistently, usually annually especially when people's lives are changing so dramatically when it comes to having kids, there's always new expenses, trips, uh, school, so many things that come up. Yeah. You you know what? You couldn't say it better there, Mitch. Um, 
best time to start a financial plan is generally any time, but particularly uh, when there's a life event. And, you know, you buy a new house. Okay, let's let's look at our financial plan. But parenthood is, is one of those things. And it's a great time to sit back and think, okay, what should I do different? You know, we, we the acronyms way back, Scott would remember, there was the acronym DINKS. Yeah. Double income, no kids. Okay. <laughs> yes. And, and that was one of the ones that, it, you know, life's easy as as one of those, but all of a sudden, you know, you don't have that double income, no kids anymore. And you have no double income or single income, one kid or double income, one kid. And that changes things dramatically. So it's another event that definitely needs to have some planning around it. And, you know, many say that buying a house is just like a black hole of money. You never know where all of the expenses go. And it's the same thing when you start having kids. And, you know, as a father of, uh, you know, one in university and another teenager, um, boy, planning for this starts right at the beginning. And I can't and I've said it a million times on this show, but thank goodness we did that right at the beginning, because, boy, it makes life now so much more easier. Yeah, it, it, it takes uh, a big giant expense. It makes it more of a speed bump because you've been yeah. planning for so long and you've got the government help and RESPs and other things that all of a sudden it happens. It's like, okay, well, we've, we've planned for this. No big deal. Mm-hmm. Well, now that you've guys mentioned the RESP, I'll really dive into that a little bit more here. Uh, saving for college or university should really, it should start as soon as possible. Like Scott just mentioned right there. And it, I'll, I'll give you a little example of how big of a difference it really makes. So the RESP, it's, it shouldn't be understated that this is very important. University is going to cost about $100,000 at current prices right now. So you really do have to start saving as soon as possible. And the federal government, they match 20% for every dollar you put in for up to $2,500 per year. So if you put $2,500 in, the government's going to give you $500 for free. And the maximum amount you can put into an RESP is $50,000. The maximum amount of grant that you'll be given by the government is $7,200. So that's $36,000 that you put into this RESP and it's gonna be matched 20%. So you'll get $7,200 of that. And that's gonna grow completely tax-free and you use that towards school. Uh, This can be started as soon as your baby can get a social insurance number. So really get on that as soon as you have that kid and start putting away money as soon as possible because it can make a massive difference. So here's- I would would do that before even picking a name. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe that's just, you know, it's probably not a a sensitive thing to say, but you know. (laughs) Uh, Might be how Elon Musk ended up with his child's name. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) What is Uh, that name, Mitch? I, I can't even say it. It it's it it doesn't even I don't know how to say it. Yeah. Oh man. <laughs> a bunch of letters. Yes. Uh, yeah. I think there's a different language in the middle of it too. I don't know how to say it. Uh, but anyways, the first here's my three examples for the RESP. The first child, so the parents start contributing at age zero, right when they're born, they get that social insurance number. And over the time, they contribute $36,000 to this plan, but it's broken up over 14 and a half years, roughly. So they're going to maximize that grant. They're going to put away roughly $208 a month, uh, about $2,500 a year to get that $500 from the government. So the plan's receiving about $3,000 per year for those 14 and a half years. And then they stop contributing because there's no more grant to be earned. 
And this RESP is earning 5% annually. So it's not blowing anything out of the water here. It's a modest return. And by the time the child turns 18, that RESP is worth roughly $75,000. So that's very close to that $100,000 for schooling. And that's at a 5% rate of return. And a lot of that is uh, from the government as well, 7,200 plus the growth on top of that 7,200 from the government. The second child has parents that wait until just age three. So there's three years and they start that RESP and they contribute the same amount for 14 and a half years until that child uh, turns 17. So they put 3000 per year for the same amount of years. And that RESP when the child's 18 is worth $64,000. So it's about $11,000 difference and you contribute the same amount just by waiting three years. So I, I Scott, you mentioned you wanna start as early as possible. That's $11,000 just from three years of compound interest right there. So the penalty of waiting for three years is huge just from that. But let's take another example here and say someone waited until the child was nine. So you can have catch up years for the RESP. You're allowed to put in 5,000 and you'll get $1,000 in grant. So they'll let you catch up one year at a time. So this family, they put in 36,000 and they put in 5,000 per year from age nine until the child turns 17, the same amount of money as the other two examples. And when the child's 18, it's only worth 50,000, roughly. It's a huge difference. That's $25,000 difference and they put it in the same amount of money, but that's because it was working for them for another nine additional years right there. Yeah, it comes back down to the you know cost of procrastination, uh, the time value of money, all those things came to come into play. And again, if you can't afford it, the one angle that we've often talked about is, you know, just because the parents can't afford it doesn't mean the grandparents can't. <laughs> and honestly, I mean, that, grand- that's it. And that's a time of your life too, when, you know, you're just having kids, like we said, it's a money pit. So, you know, you think, well, now how do I come up with this? And, you know, Don, the philosophy that that you taught me was it's just pay yourself first. So, and, 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 and paying yourself first or doing an RESP is very much the same thing. It's paying the child first. So, you know, you just got to try to find a way to do it. It makes it so much easier. You know, it's kind of funny, Scott, if they said, okay, it's going to cost $200 a month to have a kid that's an, a, a cost whether it's diapers yeah, what have yeah. you and it wasn't negotiable you had to spend 200 dollars a month mm-hmm. parents would find a way to do it yeah and, exactly. and i honestly believe this should not be negotiable because they will go to some type of post-secondary likely mm-hmm. and this will make a massive difference to their life yeah absolutely and, uh, another thing that a lot of parents well a lot of them don't know about is the child is the canada child benefit which is the and you can apply for this through the CRA Canada and you get the maximum amount is the family can receive for the child under six is $6,500 annually. And from age six to 17, the family can receive up to 5,500 annually tax-free. So this could also be factored into the RESP contributions right here. You, it, you could use those as monthly payments into the RESP, but, and, this is calculated up to if you have $200,000 or less in family income, you will receive at least some money from this program. So this extra program can really subsidize an RESP and you could start putting that away into monthly if you don't need it for day to day cash flow. I mean, uh, Scott did say the kids are a money pit, so it might have to be used for that. 
But if it doesn't, and you don't even factor that into your financial planning, then the candid child benefit is just kind of the cherry on top. And you can put that on side into an RESP, which will just work greatly in the foreseeable future. All right. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox and Mitch Fox are here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. You can find out more at donfox.net. You can call them at IG Private Wealth Management at 905-972-7420. Going to take a quick break here. We're coming right back. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. We are planning our financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox and Mitch Fox are here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. You can find out more at donfox.net. You can call them at IG Private Wealth Management at 905-972-7420. All right. uh, Hot week this week. Summer certainly arriving. Uh, You've got some uh, summer planning tips that we uh, should be uh, aware of. Well, you know what? It's just another season. We should be planning all the time. But let's just coin this uh, summer financial planning tips because, you know what? I look at it almost like a coming out party for COVID. Mm. Uh, this is our first summer in a while that people are feel, at least to the most part, that, okay, yes, they've, they've been vaccinated, et cetera, and they feel a little safe and they're out doing stuff. The airports are full. Yeah. Uh, the roads are busy. It's practically life back to normal, practically. Mm-hmm. It's not mm-hmm. totally, but it's practically. And certainly you're seeing, you know, the whole vacation end of things is, is popped up again. So what I, I think you should look at is you might have got into a habit of, of spending money during your COVID summer or even for that matter, the rest of the season. And it, it's going to be, might be very different now. So take a look at your spending and see, uh, you know, you may have saved a bunch of money. Uh, we're finding that a lot. In fact, Canadians in general have saved a lot of money. There's more cash sitting on the sidelines right now than might be ever. There's just a lot of money sitting in cash. And uh, some of it was because of lack of spending. And some of it was because they just happened to have it. They don't know what to do with it. But it really, um, you know, you want to say, okay, it really doesn't matter how much money you make either. Because I'm finding clients that are on your lower incomes. Okay, they're out. They're still spending money uh, versus ones that have, you know, lots of money. It's just the toys are different. Okay, so the trips might be camping versus a cruise. Um, a car might be a new car versus a pink Porsche, whatever it might be. People, you know, regardless of what you're spending your money on, it, it's just a matter of you can buy better things perhaps because your, your sight lines are there, but it's still you're spending money. Everybody needs a planner. Renovations, you know, it might be a deck versus a whole new room. So everybody just spends money differently. So it comes down to, as always, look at your financial goals. That's the starting point. Try to simplify your life first. So you look at everything and say, okay, what are my true financial goals going forward? And it's consider maybe post-COVID goals because they may have uh, kind of went in the back burner. And maybe COVID gave you a time to reflect on what's really important to you. Maybe things have changed a little bit in the last two years. Uh, perhaps family may be more important. Uh, perhaps, you know, saying, okay, I didn't have to do all those things before. We're going to keep things closer at home or perhaps the other way. It's about time I finally get to go and travel again. I am going to go on a binge. So really find out what your goals are and 
things such as paying down debt. Okay. Uh, how important is that to you? Dream vacations. Uh, maybe we should look at that. It may, it may not be this summer, but again, put that in mind. Do you need a new, do you, are you looking at buying or selling a cottage? Certainly cottages and, new, and bigger homes were a big thing during COVID, but you know, people are back on the road and maybe they're not going to spend as much time and maybe selling the cottage and renting. So they're not tied up at one spot, or maybe they're finding it's just, you know, just not what they thought it would be. Cause one thing to see a cottage and the next thing to actually live it. And, you know, we all know how much work cottages can be. It's just another house. So people often, we're finding people are changing their views a little bit now that they're coming out and you're seeing that with the real estate as we're in fact, if anything, we're finding real estate is leveled off now too. Um, invest wisely. That's a big one with so much money sitting in cash. What do you do with it? And we've got so many reasons that it's people are getting petrified and just leaving it in cash. Oh, I got this Russian Ukraine invasion right now, or war, if you really want the truth on that one. And if you uh, take a look at, you know, inflation, what should I do about that? If, if interest rates keep going up, what happens there? Now they're, they seem to be leveling off there. So, uh, but again, when you have a longer term goal, it's easier to invest. So if you're trying to invest and think, okay, what is the market going to do? Nobody can guess that. So in the short term, long term, it's very predictable. The markets generally average 6% above inflation. But again, we don't know what's going to happen next month. In fact, this past week, we just had six days of, of great uh, uh, positive market conditions for six straight days and big increases. Will it follow next week? Who knows? I, I really don't get caught up in the day-to-day. -day. And again, all this comes down to part of the overall plan, maybe your retirement plan, maybe your estate plan, but it still comes down to having a financial plan. So second is, as far as this uh, summer goes, is make a vacation budget. Here's something a lot of people haven't had to do for a while. So they might be out of touch. Uh, first of all, if you are traveling outside of, uh, the, outside of Canada, check your passport. It might actually be out, out of date. And there's the big lines right now I've heard about the passport issues. Yeah. So you may want to get on that earlier than later, even if you have a vacation plan for six to eight months a, or even next year, maybe you get the passport in order right now. Uh, by having a vacation budget, you actually reduce your stress too, because you feel, okay, can I afford it? Can I not? If you're doing that while you're on vacation, that's not a vacation. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> You've got the kids standing out in front of Disney. Can we afford to go in or not? Mm. I don't know. Yeah, that's not the time. Is that ice cream bar? Like that's five bucks. Can we really get that? Okay. We've just spent five grand on the Disney vacation. Now you're worried about the little things. So whatever it might be, work it into the plan. This is what we're going to plan to spend on vacations. And one person, uh, one, one person I know very well, he does what is, it's almost like a, a calendar board and he puts the whole summer down and what they're going to do. And they start circling, okay, here's where we're going to do this. And here's where, and then they start attaching dollar values to it. So they have that kind of set in their head, what they're going to spend, whether they are do or don't, it's a bit of a guessing game, but it's a lot better to go in with a, a, an idea Mitch, what this summer looks like. But Mitch has said, Don, that just takes the fun out of the family vacation. When you put the family <laughs> through that every year, you know, you got the big board on the fridge there. I mean, you know, where's the fun for the kids. I, I sneak in when he's sleeping and put the 
figures up more. Fudge the numbers. <laughs> that's what you do. Yeah, that's the first thing he does. He goes there and changes my numbers. There you but, go. Uh, yeah, you know, it's funny how the numbers go up and the fun goes up with it. Yeah. So, but again, for, for those that are looking at a spending amount, you know, everything's about a cost. It's lifestyle. And we haven't had, you know, we've been going through financial planning for the last couple of years and we've literally omitted the vacation area because people say, well, I'm not comfortable in leaving Ontario for the next while. And so there's a good percentage of people that have not traveled at all. And this is their first time either outside of Ontario or outside of Canada or even on a plane for the first time. And it is eerie for that first time traveler. But then there's the dollar amount that goes with it. So having the dollars there takes the stress, having a budget, having a plan. It's literally having a vacation plan for the summer. And here we are uh, in June and we're thinking, okay, we got this uh, three months ahead of us or four months. What are we going to do? And it's, it is, it's actually kind of fun. Maybe not the money side of it, but actually planning it all out is fun. Yeah. And then you can say, okay, how do we, how do we make this fit? Um, there's now if, there's a lot of ways to save some money too while we're at it as far as uh, financial planning tips. One thing is, I know in the winter we always talk about let's set the thermostat so when we're away, we allow the house to get a little colder and when we get home that we can put on the heat. Well, it's the exact opposite in the summer. In fact, the electricity prices are expensive for the air conditioning. So if you have one of those smart thermostats and you're not still working at home, it's like a lot of people, now that you're back to work and you, you say, okay, if I'm in you know, downtown Toronto all day, why do I have my air conditioning set at 72? Let's move it to 80 while I'm away. And before I get home, let's put it back up again. And also the, the temperature settings at 7 a.m. for electricity are far less than all day. So again, judging when you use the hydro is also important, but it can save a ton of money and watching those electrical hours. Um, setting up auto investments. I know we talked about this, uh, even with the RESPs, making a, a separate cost every month. It's so much easier. Why even think about it? Uh, it's, you got enough things. If we're now going to think about vacation, we're going to have some fun. Why do we want to think, oh, shit, oh, did we put that money into my RESP or my RSP or my TFSA this month? Do it automatically. Pay yourself first. Consider yourself a bill. And it's all, this is all really part of a bigger plan. So having an automatic payment um, to an investment, you're really just saying, I owe this, the Scott Thompson fund X amount of dollars per month. And it just consider yourself a bill. And again, if it's an RESP, I owe our new kid fund X amount per month. And it's just part, of, if you do it that way, the other parts fall into place and in how much I can spend on our summer vacation. If you do it the opposite way, I'm going to spend this much on our summer vacation and what's left over, I'm going to spend on education for my new kid. It's amazing how little that fun gets after if you do it that way. <laughs> <laughs> Looks like the kid needs a part-time job to put themselves through community college. So yeah, and forget about residency, uh, resident rather. You're, you're staying at home and you're going to have to commute, maybe thumb your way there. So it's, it's a different way. And definitely putting the investment side first makes such a difference. And then again, takes the stress out of your financial plan. Your emergency fund, having an emergency fund 
is now now people have done this through COVID, so they actually a lot of people have built up this. But the other end of it is they've also paid down a lot of debt for some people, lines of credit credit cards. Either is good. You know, I would look at an emergency fund possibly as a line of credit. It's not, you know, because you don't want to keep too much money in the bank. You'd rather have it invested, whether it's the RSP, TFSAs, RESPs. Cash is is king though. To have money just on hand is nice to have some. Too much, it'll burn a hole in your pocket and you'll just spend it. Too little and you may end up creating debt. So trying to find that proper amount that you should keep in the bank is important. Um, there's a lot of deals out there. You can start to, first of all, you might have uh, attracted a whole bunch of expenses because of COVID that you don't even need anymore. For example, you've got that Peloton membership. You may not even been on that bike for like four months. You're now outside, you're enjoying yourself, yet you're still paying the monthly amount. Those meal very plans. Very attacked right now. <laughs> What's that, I, I, feel, I feel very attacked right now. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Mitch has a Peloton membership and he's finally jumping on a bike again. But again, it is incentive. But again, Boy, that like makes a really nice coat rack, doesn't it? No, it's <laughs> oh, beautiful. It's, it's perfectly heighted. It keeps your suit beautifully uh, pressed. It's perfect. Oh, yeah, it's nice. Uh, that gym membership, which is, you know, a lot of people have already gotten rid of their gym membership because of COVID. And then now the ones that didn't, uh, you may want to rethink, do I really need a gym membership? Uh, there's a whole lot of uh, subscriptions that you, you may have taken place, whether it was Netflix, uh, whatever the ones, and you're not even watching, maybe cut the cord, for example. Just you're not even using cable anymore. You're finding that you're doing everything through Wi-Fi. There's also a lot of fun summer freebies. And you know, you haven't been with people for so long now. Isn't it nice to just to go to a, a barbecue with people again? They don't cost a lot. Uh, declutter, that's the other side. Talking about uh, Pelotons and other things you may have accumulated during, during COVID. Now it's like, okay, let's have a garage sale. Let's get rid of the stuff we don't need, we're not using. Because you haven't really been able to have a garage sale last I should have. Sp- I should have spent the last two and a half years decluttering. What a waste of time that was. I sh- why didn't I not do that? You should have told me this at the beginning of the pandemic. I should have cleaned house. Oh gosh, I bet you there's a whole lot of people wish they could have sold that stuff before the pandemic because all of a sudden there was no garage sales. Nobody wanted to touch other people's stuff. Never mind breathe near them. So, you know what? End of the day, take a look at what you're spending money on, and the ones that are sneaky, go through your credit card bills because they're all showing up. All those subscriptions you've now got, and you've just clicked on a button. The next thing you just pay every six months, every month, every year. And they just show up and they're automatic renewals. Go through those and you can save a, save a bunch of money there. But the neat thing is, if you're finding you're able to afford it, whatever you save on one end, I'm going to go spend on other things at the other end. So it gives you incentive to try to find things to, spend mo- to save money on because you know you're going to find places to spend money on, whether it might be maybe some more travel or maybe a new barbecue will happen, whatever it might be. So... At the end of the day, you really just need a financial plan. And our living plan that we, we do with our clients is awesome. We, you know, it's a great time to do it now post-COVID. It's, again, it's another life event, really. Um, and stress is, is alleviated by having a plan because you now know you can afford certain things. You're not wondering, geez, should I do this or shouldn't I do this? Um, and by the way, if you don't think that, that's not a good thing either. Okay, you should be cognizant of your spending. And again, this is part of the planning process. It's goal driven. It's personalized. It's easy to adjust. It's visual. We throw in all the what ifs. And at the end of the day, by doing all this, you end up with a lot of 
peace of mind. And, you know, you bring up a valid point that you should talk to your financial planner whenever, uh, obviously on a regular basis, but when there is a world event, uh, whether it's a birth, death, what have you. I mean, I never thought of it till you mentioned it, but COVID is, you know, going through that for the last two and a half years. Maybe that alone is, is reason for you to, you know, maybe take a look at all of this again and see where you are post-COVID as opposed to before it all. Yeah, absolutely. This is, we've gone through something nobody has gone through in their lifetime. Yeah. And now we're coming out of it. And so we went into this cocoon. We're now out of the cocoon. What an opportunity to say, how do I want to go forward? Maybe it wasn't the same life I had pre-COVID. Uh, maybe you want a better life. Maybe, you know, as like I mentioned earlier, what you valued before COVID might be different than what you value now. And so great opportunity to relook at your financial plan and relook at your goals and then sit down with a CFP, a certified financial planner, to make sure you're in line and you have a plan that gets you to that. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox and Mitch Fox are here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. You can find out more at donfox.net. You can call them at IG Private Wealth Management at 905-972-7420. Going to take a quick break here. We're coming right back. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox and Mitch Fox are here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. You can find out more at donfox.net. You can call them at IG Private Wealth Management at 905-972-7420. Boy, as we're coming out of pandemic, uh, coming out of a pandemic, as you said, Don, uh, certainly priorities are changing. Mitch, you bring up a great point here. What do you do when uh, your raise isn't enough and your raise doesn't cover your costs? What options do you have? Where do you go? How do you, you just complain? What do you do? (laughs) Well, I mean, lots of people, they're getting, they get annual raises and it was mainly in place to keep up with inflation. But obviously, as we've mentioned many times, inflation is, it's pretty high right now. It will go back down. But at the moment, it's uh, the raises, they're just not keeping up with the cost of living. Uh, most of us, we can all agree that in the moment, hearing you get a raise, it feels great. It means you're going to make more money. But that doesn't mean that your expenses are going to stay the same. So you actually need to keep up with that. And uh, it, your raise may not actually fulfill your, your needs or your expectations. The price of goods and services, they're increasing significantly right now some areas more than 8% compared to last year. And the average raise is typically around 3%. So our paychecks, they're typically just not going as far as they used to. And it's a little unfair because the job didn't change at all. You're still doing the same job, maybe even more. You might be getting more responsibilities as you're in the job a little longer and you're getting paid 3% more, but gas is over $2 now. So you just can't even afford to drive into work. It's better for you to just quit and stay home, I guess. <laughs> this, this seems a little self-serving, Mitch. Is this a public announcement? <laughs> a little bit. I'm preparing for later. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Mitch is looking for a hybrid model, Don. <laughs> <laughs> you better accommodate. <laughs> for early career employees, this can be especially tricky to navigate. Uh, A recent survey of 1,000 adults who have at least one child 18 years or older showed that half of the parents financially support their kids who are faced with high student loan debt or increasing house prices. They just simply can't afford to pay their rent 
um, and they want them to stay out of the house, I guess. <laughs> but uh, so what do you do when your raise just isn't enough? Uh, based on research, here are a few tips. Well, the first thing you need to do is do your research. If you receive a raise that seems suspiciously low, or if you're really just not sure whether you're being compensated fairly, the best thing you can do is research. There's a lot of sites out there that have a lot of information, whether that's Glassdoor, Payscale, Salary.com, all these will provide compensation information based on your job title, responsibilities, and the industry specific that you're in, as well as the area. They're, you're gonna be making more in areas that cost more to live in typically. So internally, you're also being able to investigate what data is available to you. So lots of companies are very transparent with their salaries and they even have grids based off of years, experience, and, and so forth. But some, they're not transparent and you may have to go to human resources to discuss this with them. The next thing you do after you do your research is to prepare your argument. This, this is where later comes into play here, Don. Oh, thanks. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> Uh, most likely to receive a higher raise, you're going to have to make a case that includes both the salary data you've compiled and evidence of the value you bring to your team and organization. It's extremely unlikely that you're going to be able to walk in, ask for a bigger raise, no supporting data and just receive it. There's a large chance that you'll be basically sent out the door with what you got in the first place if you come in expecting that you're going to get a raise from that. So putting together a written list of all your accomplishments, positive feedback, and your performance reviews can all be very helpful in pleading your case for a larger raise. Potentially requesting references within the company who would vouch for you. Uh, they might sign off and they, have, they might be respected and they might have long tenure there. And if they're going to sign that you should be getting a bigger raise, uh, bringing that to your manager may actually help with your case. Uh, next thing you're going to do, obviously, is meet with your manager. Uh, setting up a private one-on-one -on -one meeting with your manager to discuss your salary is where this is going to be decided. Don't do this during regular check-in time. The last thing you want to do is catch your boss off guard and trigger a defensive response. Instead, send them a short email asking if they'd be willing to discuss your career development and compensation in an upcoming meeting. Be mindful of your manager's time by keeping the email brief. Uh, don't send them something super long. And most people, they prepare for their day and they're not prepared to have a 20, 30 minute meeting thrown in there because they simply don't have time. And the odds of you getting that raise, throwing their whole day off is very unlikely. But uh, when the time comes, just be very straightforward. Thank your boss for the salary bump, even if it was just to keep up with inflation and uh, really plead your case of why you should be reconsidered. Share all the data that you've been collected, achievements you have done and present your case. But what would happen if you if your request is denied? Uh, during the following follow-up meeting with your manager, take the time to understand why your request was not approved. Ask your manager when you can realistically revisit the conversation. Is it a budgetary issue or a performance issue? If it's budgetary for the company, maybe the company can compensate you in another way, like having extra time off more flexibility or possibly a year-end bonus. It, it might be not in the company's case to actually just give you more money up front. There may be other ways they can compensate you. If it's performance-based, just have an open discussion with your manager, create a roadmap of accomplishments that may need to happen before a raise is actually implemented. Maybe you're just not on the same page and you think you deserve a raise and, and they don't. And once you get that aligned, you'd be more likely to get a larger raise in the future. And then perhaps after that, work on the resume. 
Yeah. Uh, we are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox and Mitch Fox are here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. You can find out more at donfox.net. You can call them at IG Private Wealth Management at 905 905- 972-7420. Going to take a short break here. We're coming right back. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox and Mitch Fox are here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. You can find out more at donfox.net. You can call them at IG Private Wealth Management, 905-972-7420. All right, Mitch was just talking about how to get a raise. And if that doesn't work, there's the resume. And then there's always the lotto, Don. That seems to work, at least locally it has. Yeah, wow. Uh, this Lee of G of Hamilton won $60 million in Lotto Max. It's the largest win ever in that type of lottery. All tax-free, as uh, all lotteries winnings uh, are in Canada. Um, congratulations. And you know what? You know, you think, okay, that's easy then. I'll just, this is going to be my retirement strategy. I'm simply going to go and check out the lottery and get my numbers and they're going to come up. Well, before you think this is a good retirement strategy, it works out one in 28,633,528 times. So I'm not sure what the chance of getting hit by lightning, but I'm sure it's a lot better odds than this. <laughs> and so do not think of this as a retirement strategy. Yes, it's, it's entertainment. And yes, and if it comes out fantastic, but I do look at uh, you know, these windfalls is, is a strategy in general. Like it is something that happens where there's an inheritance. All of a sudden you have money that's left to you. Um, you know, it could be a lottery. You know, that's good if it happens. I wouldn't count on it though. But at the end of the day, it, it adds a lot to these people in terms of a, a new level of stress. Yes, it's great. They have all this stress of they have no money issues. But funny enough, the, the chance of this money sticking and having a proper financial plan is less than 50%. Now, the, what, many websites say 70% of the lottery winners will spend their money within five years. Now, there was a lot of contradiction between different ones. I went on the Swedish site and US and Canadian sites. At the end of the day, it's still a large percentage. And all they have to do is have a plan. You know, we talk about this all the time. And again, inheritance are the exact same. I did have one lottery winner and it was uh, a fairly young individual, won about $400,000 when he was about 20 years old. Bought one car, got rid of that car, got another car, got rid of that car, started a business, didn't work out. And it was all gone within five years. Just no. like stats say. Oh, man. And his answer to this, when I said, you really want to do this, because I was trying my best to, you know, here's what you should do. And he just wouldn't listen. He had all these ideas and this money was just going to his head. At the end of the day, when he finally ran out of money, he just says, well, I'm a pretty lucky guy. I'll probably win a lottery again. Oh, man. So, oh. I, I, again, maybe that's his strategy. And hopefully, hopefully he was that lucky again. But I would not call this a retirement plan. So, again, when you do win a lottery, there's lots of things to go through. And the first thing is, is, is you know, look at the numbers, uh, sign the back, put it in a safe spot. And get ready because you're going to get an onslaught of people that are going to be calling you. Uh, when or you're going to have to show your big prize, uh, like as as this Leah did with her 60 million dollar big giant check, 
And you may want to, and, and most would recommend changing your contact information. Find out your close friends mm. and family and changing all your contact information. You may even want some safety measures put into place because, you know, um, there's some people out there that everybody knows you just won $60 million or whatever the amount is. Yeah. So uh, some type of video surveillance at your house. And, and, you know, many don't even realize this. They, they think about all the problems it will solve financially, but this presents a whole different set of problems being that rich. Oh, it's, it's, it's mind boggling. And they, they often find, they find out who their true friends are because yeah. there's a lot of scammers out there, people, and so what they suggest is you take the money. First thing you do is call your financial planner and, and make sure it's a true financial planner, not an investment planner saying, I'll oh, just take your money and put it here. The person that looks at the tax side, the estate side, goes through the questions on who should you be giving your money to? Is there a charitable foundation you want to set up? Um, so you may just want to leave it in cash, make no decisions, but at least it's invested in something so that you can make some decisions on. But the next thing you do, is book a vacation, possibly with your best friends and family, and go somewhere. Then you've got a good week or two to figure out what do you want to do. Because you don't want to make any snap decisions with this, and you want to have a proper plan. It also gives some ideas for the financial planner to go through. Here's the scenarios. Here's the pros and cons in each area. Um, at the end of the day, you really do need a financial plan because a complete financial plan would include what is your age, what's your lifestyle, what's your family savings, what have you done in the past, uh, your financial goals going forward, investment returns, what are you trying to accomplish? Do you need to get higher returns? Certainly not if you want 60 million. Tax planning, tax strategies, there's so much that goes into a financial plan. It isn't just put it into an investment and hope it works out. And people might think because they've won so much money, I don't need a financial planner anymore. I'm set for life. But now the biggest challenge is hanging on to it, keeping it and passing it on to generations behind you. And avoiding the big mistakes, because now a mistake doesn't cost you, uh, you know, $100. It costs you a million dollars by mm. making the poor decisions. And wouldn't you rather see that, that million dollars go elsewhere? So avoiding the big mistake is really what we do as financial planners. And we talk through all the scenarios and what ifs before it actually materializes so that people have the peace of mind. Here's what I'm going to do going forward. And it's just such a great windfall that has a plan attached to it. We are planning, have been planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox and Mitch Fox have been here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. You can find out more at donfox.net. You can call them at IG Private Wealth Management at 905-972-7420. Another great show, gentlemen. Thanks so much. Have a great week. The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML.